Hi lovely, welcome to Bloom Best Stories. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kate, I'm a passionate mama of three and a doula and I absolutely adore listening to women share their sacred birth stories. This is a loving space just for that. Each week I'll be chatting to women across Australia as they share their unique, very special journey to baby. I'm chatting with Hannah today who shares the birth story of her daughter Elodie. Hannah suffered with some pretty grueling hyperemesis for the majority of her pregnancy. She was sick while she was in labor. She passed out at one point from severe dehydration, the poor darling. Despite all of that, she still went on to have a positive vaginal birth experience. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you are in the depths of morning sickness or hyperemesis yourself, you are not alone. It is tough and I'm sending lots of love to you. Beautiful, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your stories. (laughs) Um, Before we dive into all of that, would you like to tell us a little bit about your family and where you are? Yes. So my name is Hannah. I'm 28. We live in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, And in my family, it's my partner, Jason, um, our five-month-old daughter and our little puppy. Oh, beautiful (laughs) and was your daughter on the horizon was that planned how what was your conception what did that journey look like for you um so we I took out I had the implant on in and I had it in for about uh, like two and a half years and it started my body just wasn't accepting it after that and I took it out that was about October in 2019 um no, 2020, sorry. And um, so we weren't not planning, but we weren't like actively trying for a baby, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We just um, had a couple of drinks one night and had a bonfire outside. And then, yeah, then we found out a couple of months later we were going to have a baby. Oh, amazing. So good. <laughs> and did you have any pregnancy symptoms straight up? How are you feeling? Um, so the the day that I kind of thought that maybe something was going on, I was really dizzy. I was at work and I was feeling really, really dizzy. I couldn't even stand up and I felt really off. So I went left work early, came home. I took the next day off and um, I went to the doctors. And he goes, oh, yeah, your blood pressure is a bit low. Um, and then you know, just drink some water, you'll be fine. And I texted a girlfriend to say, oh, look, I felt really dizzy and I couldn't get over it and it was really weird. And she goes, oh, have you taken a pregnancy test? And I, you know, thought, no, couldn't possibly be pregnant. Well, we weren't really trying. We hadn't had sex that many times. And then, yeah, so I took it and it lit up like a Christmas tree. (laughs) And, yeah, it was a bit crazy. Like we were both a bit in shock actually, because we didn't think it was going to happen quite that quickly. No, but she was just waiting, waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was kind of the start of like just a downfall, really. I was so sick. I kind of just vomited nearly every day. Well, actually every day. Um, And then the doctor's like, no, no, you'll be fine by 12 weeks. And I wasn't. And then she's like, you'll be fine by 16 weeks. And I wasn't. And then she was like, oh, you'll be fine uh, hopefully by 20 weeks. And also wasn't. Hyperemesis? 
Yeah, so I wasn't officially diagnosed until I kind of, I think after I saw the doc, after I had Elodie, um, I saw the doctor and she goes, yeah, I think that that's technically hyperemesis. So, yeah, they didn't officially diagnose me with hyperemesis until after, like looking back on the pregnancy. Um, I did keep saying to them, I'm vomiting all the time. I can't drink water. I could only kind of crunch on ice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some days were better than others, like probably every HG person. Um, But because I just soldiered through a lot, I kept working. I just kind of stopped and vomited when I was at work. I kept kind of trying to push myself through it because all I could think of, it's just morning sickness, it's just morning sickness, it will go away. And then, yeah, it just got progressively worse. I think there was two weeks when I was 35 weeks pregnant that I wasn't sick at all and I felt great. And I thought that that meant that then I was going to have a baby kind of within that two weeks. But uh, it came back the week that I gave birth. I don't think I've ever been as sick as 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 then. It was crazy. Wow. Did you take anything for that? Did you have any medication or what what were you doing to get by? Yeah, so I ended up getting um, a script from the doctor for some anti-nausea medication and I I pretty much just lived on that. I just, you know, and then obviously with that comes you take a lot of anti-nausea medication, you get really constipated. Um, So I had to take medication to help with that and, yeah, it was... It, it was crazy. Like I just I tried all the ginger and the lemonade and the dry toast and dry crackers, but nothing relieved it apart from the medication. Mm, you're speaking my language. I had all of those <laughs> things too. Wow. Oh, but for 35 weeks, I couldn't even imagine. Were you? Would you say that you enjoyed your pregnancy, or that really was mm. just raining on the parade? Like I didn't at all. I think apart from those two weeks, I think about 35 weeks, I did not enjoy it at all. I I kind of, I wasn't resentful because I was so grateful to be pregnant, but it's so hard when people kind of say to you, oh, you're so lucky or you've got a gift or this or that and you're just so sick and trying to get through the day. Mm, Yeah, it's really challenging, isn't it? Mm. yeah yeah it's, I've got a bit of I think I put it down to like PTSD from it like getting like I want to have another baby but then going through that it's it's just hard yeah the dread and it it looms you just expect it that next time around hey yeah mm. so where were you birthing your baby what was your model of care um so I got referred to um just our local hospital and I, I kind of kicking myself. I didn't kind of speak up early enough about MGP. So I just saw it. I saw a midwife at the hospital every, you know, four weeks or so when they saw you. I was lucky enough, though. Apart from the last two checkups, I um, saw the same midwife. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's a little bit of continuity of care. <laughs> yeah, she was really good. I just couldn't get. Yeah. I couldn't. Our schedules didn't align in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, which is a bit yeah. disappointing. But and uh, did you do any birth education or anything of that kind? Um, so I read um, the, the calm. Is it called the calm birth? Mm. I read that book. Um, and then I did. I didn't do any like active birth classes or anything like that because the first half of my pregnancy we were in lockdown. 
and everything was still kind of online or, you know, kind of moving from online to like um, face-to-face. So I just did, you know, I just did YouTube videos. I read Calm Birth. I spoke to my friends. I My mum did um, a completely drug-free labour, so she kind of said what she did. And I did practice, you know, practice in the shower, my breathing and all that kind of things. Mm-hmm. But I, I, one regret I have, I wish I'd done more. Not only for myself, I think that I was okay, but for my partner. Yeah, I think that that's so common, so common to to get more education for them, I guess, so they can yeah. be there and be confident and, and know how to support you. Mm. Yes, exactly. So Yeah, so approaching her estimated due date, what did that look like? Were you expecting to go over? How were you feeling? Talk us through. Yeah. So I um I told myself my due date um was a week later than what it actually was. I think I knew being a first time mum um that I was gonna go over and I kind of didn't I didn't really think about the date that they gave me as set in stone, which helped my mental health enormously, especially because I went to forty one plus four. And so we got to the due date and I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, anytime this week, we'll be fine. And then that week went by. So we're now in May. And I remember we went out for lunch for a friend's birthday on the Sunday and I was 41 weeks. And I said to everyone, I'm like, I feel great. Like, I could be pregnant forever. Like, you know, everything's going to be fine. They'll be here this, you know, today or tomorrow. And then it got to the Monday and I was still pregnant. And I remember just, I just cried the whole day because I just didn't want to be pregnant anymore. (laughs) Big emotional release before baby comes. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I was okay with going over. It was just my, again, my partner, he thought the babies come on their due dates, which mm. then made it hard because I kept saying, like, no babies come on their due dates. Like, it's fine. We, you know, it won't yeah. be forever. Mm. <laughs> and then where were you? You went into labour. How far did you get? So we, I went into the hospital at 41 plus one. Um, so because I, I, I was so – I was a low-risk um, I was a low risk pregnancy. I, they kept telling me I was going to have a small baby. I was measuring on this. My stomach was small. Um, the baby was measuring a bit on the smaller side. So I didn't, I was a bit nervous going in that they were going to be like, you need to be induced. You need to be induced. Um, and I, I just, I wanted anything but to be induced. So I don't mind if it was for a reason, but I didn't think that having a small baby was a good reason. Um, they, but when I went in on the Monday, um, she kind of said, oh, let's think about inducing you. Like we can book a date, no pressure. Um, and we can just go from there. And I, I, I remember asking, um, can I, you know, go over 42 weeks and they're like, yep, no worries, but you'll just have to come in every day. Uh, But that's, that's fine. And then on the, Tuesday they had called me and booked in my induction on the on the Thursday and you know when you're overdue heavily pregnant I'd been so sick for so many weeks and when they told me that it was going to be on the Thursday and not the Friday I just 
cried and cried and cried. I think I rang my mum four or five times just crying to say, no, no, no. Like I wanted on the Friday. Now they're saying it's on the Thursday. It was a bit ridiculous looking back on it because it was just, I should have just rung them up and cancelled it and moved it to the Friday. Mm. But um, I ended up, I, I call it, I cried until my waters broke. So I just, oh. I woke up on Wednesday morning about 1am and I got the big, like, I felt a pop and then a, just a massive gush, like in the movies. I was in bed and I got up to go to the toilet and it was all clear. It just like kept coming and coming and coming. So I naively thought that that that's what we were, we we're going to have a baby, you know, in the next couple of hours. And I rang the hospital. They said, um, you can like come in to be checked because they're like, oh, have you had any tightenings? Have you got any cramping, anything like that. And I didn't have, at that stage, I didn't have anything. And so they said, come in, we'll check you. And I don't know, I look back on it and I'm kind of angry at myself. I said, oh, I've got an appointment anyway to be monitored because I was over dates. Can I just come in then at 11 and get checked then? And they said, yeah, that's fine. Come in then. Because I just thought it was going to kind of organically grow from there. Mm-hmm. So I had some like some tightenings, um, it was all in my back. I could only lie on like my left side and that was the only position that was really, really comfortable was on that left side. And I um, I kind of just laid in bed until we went to the hospital at about 11. And I'd said to them, I remember saying, oh, I'm so excited. I was like, my waters are broken. Like, this is it. Like, we're in labour and the, the midwife kind of was like, oh, we'll just check and see what's going on. So they hooked me up to the CTG and and kind of just left. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And I kind of sat there and I was still having the back pain and I was really uncomfortable. Like my, my pants felt really tight and I was super uncomfortable. And she comes back and she goes, yep, cool, you can go home now, come back from the morning for your induction. And I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. I'm in labour, you know, shouldn't they tell me what to do from now? Like, when do we come back or, you know, whatever. And I'd said to the the midwife as well that I had been vomiting that whole time. So since my waters broke at 1am, I'd been vomiting. I'd had some toast. I couldn't keep that down. I couldn't keep water down. And she goes, yep, yep, that's normal. And I wish I'd advocated for myself a bit more and said, no, that that's not normal and I, I was feeling it, like my skin was dry. I felt so dry. But then they ended up just giving me like a script for some medication and some antibiotics and said, yep, come back in the morning, you're fine to go. And so, yeah, that was the only, I think, negative of that because that threw my confidence that we weren't actually going to have a baby and, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So we went home and then I just literally lied in bed because I was like, I knew that this was, you know, going to be a, a big process. And, you know, the one thing that I've listened in a lot of podcasts was that in that early labor, just rest, like don't move around, don't do anything, just rest and rest and rest, conserve your energy. So I would just watch some movies in bed and I kept having the, the back pain so I could only lie on my left side and put my TENS machine on as well which I don't think I did it properly. I just left it on boost the whole time because my back pain was really, really bad. So I don't, I don't know whether that was that effective because it was just on boost the whole time. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, and then they had said, I remember they had said it at the hospital, like if I felt like I'd gotten a temperature, to keep checking my temperature every um, four hours so that, you because know, I think because the waters had broken but labour hadn't started, um, you can't, you're at risk of infection. Yeah. And so they kept, I che- kept che- checking my temperature and then I think it was just, I kind of got over it. I felt so unwell because I'd been vomiting so much and my partner was stressed and my temperature did go up and I started, it's called ragoring when you like shake because your temperature is so high. Mm-hmm. And I felt so cold and I felt so sick. So we called them, called the hospital. They said, yep, come in, like we'll, we'll check you out, see how you're going. So then we put all the bags in the car, got in the car, got to the hospital. Um, then they hooked me up to the CTG machine again and did it. I had, think they had to do a COVID test because I had the temperature. Um, and then literally I think they came back in 25 minutes later and said, yep, you're going to be admitted to the birth suite. Oh. So I, was, I thought they were going to send me home because I was like, they're, I'm not – they're just going to make me come back in the morning for my induction. But no, they, yeah. they admitted us into there. So that was quite relieved. Like I was so relieved and I was so excited, but also at the same time it had been, I think, like 16 hours and so I was so tired already and oh. it hadn't even started. Yeah, especially being so sick. Were you sick yeah. before your waters had broken or it just all kicked off from that point? It pretty much just kicked off from that point. I, I, and I had said at that point I was so sick and I felt nauseous. Um, so they said, oh, look, we can get you, we'll try and get you something for that as well after we after we check you. And so they checked me. I can't remember if they'd said like how dilated I was. I, I honestly can't remember. And But they said, oh, you know, your front waters have broken but we can still feel your back water, your rear waters I think they're called mm-hmm. yeah and so hind said, waters. Do you want us yeah hind waters they said we can break them for you and I was like yep no worries like let's do it um I think I did end up saying yes as well I had some antibiotics because I was like knowing my luck I wasn't going to but I'm like knowing my luck I'll be the person that ends up with an infection because I'm like susceptible to everything so <laughs> I said yes to that that they gave me some anti-nausea medication as well which like it, it didn't, it kind of worked, but then I just kept, kept being sick. I was so nauseous as well. And that's what made it really hard. Cause after they break your waters, like things really go from like zero to a hundred so far. <laughs> so you were having pretty consistent surges after that, more intense than it was. Yeah. And it was all in my back because they, when they checked that I'd said, you know, is it like, it's all in my back. They're like, okay, we'll check if um, the baby is posterior. And they said that she was, she was rotate. She wasn't full posterior, but she was rotated. Um, like, so her head was facing kind of like my back. Her face was facing my back hip. And so that's mm. why I was getting all that pain in, in my back. It was so weird because it was, it was, it wasn't in my back. It was kind of just in my hip. And that was what threw me as well. Cause I'm like, is this what it's supposed to feel like? wow and what happened from then you kept Um, kept rolling with it what were you doing I tried my best 
to like keep like practicing. I think it's like seven in, four out. I kept trying to do that, get comfortable. They, they said to me, oh, with a, like a posterior baby or a turned baby, the best thing to do is like have your belly like hanging low because then it gravity works and the baby will flip. But it's it was so hard. I remember like it was so hard to like get on that in that position because every time I would go into that position, one, I'd feel nauseous and then two, my back pain would get even worse. My nature really worked against me in this labor. But <laughs> so then they said, I said, I was lying on the bed on my left side again, because it was the only position I got, I could get comfortable, like kind of on my back. And you standard first time mom, I, I was just thinking like, I need to be moving. Like they say, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Like don't lie on your back. It'll store your labor. So I kind of pushed myself to get up and eventually I said, I'll just have, I'll get in the shower and I'll see if with the water will make me feel any better. And so I got in the shower. They were happy to not monitor me, which was really, really good. Um, so they took the CTG monitoring off and they said, oh, if, you know, we'll just keep with the Doppler, which I thought I'd heard so much stuff that I was going to be confined to this monitor, but they were really, really good. And so I got into the shower and, oh, I just, I remember sitting in this, the white chair that they have with the hose, like spraying on my body. And I was, I just can't, I just was trying to regain my composure. I was feeling so unwell. I kept saying to them, like, I'm, I'm so nauseous. I'm so nauseous. And they're like, just keep breathing, just keep breathing. And I ended up, my partner had left for a minute just to regain himself. He'd gone for a walk. Mm-hmm. And then he came back and I remember just sitting in there and he'll never, he said, he'll never forget it. Cause he's like, you, the look on your face was just defeated. And I felt that in that moment that I couldn't do it. And that was so like sure that, you know, that I couldn't keep going any longer. I was just feeling so sick, so weak. And so then I ended up asking for an epidural. So you got the epidural and then what happened from then? How are you feeling? Yeah. So I, they, like, I, I don't know how it works, but like in that, I think I waited for like an hour and a half for the epidural and I just felt like on top of the world again. I was breathing properly. I was swaying my hips. I was getting really comfortable. I don't know whether it's because I knew the epidural was coming and I didn't have to put up with it for very, like put up with that pain any longer or whether it was like a mental thing. It was just crazy. But I, when the epidural came, anaesthetist came, I was so relieved. It was like she was like like an angel walking in because <laughs> I was so tired. I was so tired and so exhausted. And I was oh. just like, if I have to stand here for another hour, even though I was doing really well at that point, I was like, I'm going to just walk out and go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And- and so she came in and we got up on the bed. They checked me before. I think they have to check you before you have epidural, just, I guess, to make sure that you're not like 10 centimetres and ready to push a baby out. But I was about five, they said about five to six. They couldn't quite determine or I can't quite remember. But um, I was proud of myself because I my goal was to do a drug-free labour. But obviously, I'm like, a, if I can get as close as I can. So I was happy to get to five because I'm like, at least it's something. <laughs> Oh, that's and not just something with all of that sickness. My gosh. Yeah, but then that's kind of where it got crazy. I got up on the bed and I'd 
they put the epidural. She was amazing. Like the need for test needs a pay rise because she was amazing. <laughs> she popped it straight in, didn't feel it. Um, but the problem was then I think because I was so exhausted at that point, it's she put the test dose in and this is where I had to ask my partner before exactly what happened because I'm very blurry on this. He said pretty much they had put the test dose or the prime primer in and he's like, you just went white as a ghost. I was really incoherent. I was kind of eyes rolled back. Um, and the anaesthetist was saying, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, we haven't put any actual drugs through. Like, what's going on? And at that point, I don't remember this, but all the I think that they ended up having an emergency. So a lot of people came in the room all together. Um, they pumped me full of fluids, which I, I find now looking back on the birth quite funny because that's all I wanted the whole birth was to be rehydrated because I said to them that I was, you know, really dehydrated and I hadn't had anything to eat or drink. And that kind of, I think it all just came to a crescendo really because I, my body relaxed with the epidural or that I, the thought of the epidural and yeah, I just fell apart really. And then they pumped me full of fluids, like, like really quickly pumped me full of fluids. And I came back to, and obviously in that point, I was just so worried that, that the baby wasn't okay. And they um, were like, no, no, like they're completely fine. Like we're looking at the monitor. The baby hasn't even, the heart rate didn't even move one one iota. They were so happy. So they were quite shocked at that point that, that they were fine. Because mm. I think wow. normally what happens with that is that the baby then heart rate drops or something. Like then the midwife is telling me that, you know, this they don't normally cope as well, which is, it's a it was relief, really. Yeah. How was your partner in that, seeing that happen to you? He was shocked. I, I think he was not expecting that to happen. And obviously, so I'm a nurse by, um, that's what I do for a living. And so I'm quite used to seeing like medical equipment and medical emergencies and things like that. But I forget from an outside perspective that it is quite scary. And obviously when it's someone that you love as well, it can be really, really scary. Um, But again, he was worried about me and then he was worried about the baby and yeah, just didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. Was that just a few minutes of that? situation yeah so once they they pumped the fluids back into me I came to and I was completely fine I I don't remember what happened so it's really easy for me to say yeah everything was dandy Mm -hmm. after that so Mm -hmm. the anesthetist was a bit like hesitant to put the actual epidural in but she did it and I was like completely fine when the drug went in like my blood pressure didn't drop I felt good it wasn't a complete epidural I could still feel I could feel my legs I could feel when I had a contraction I just couldn't feel the pain Mm -hmm. which was nice because I could still I wasn't expecting to but I could still move my my pretty much my body myself I didn't need any assistance to turn over in the bed I just think I should probably go back as well yeah so at 41 so when I went in for the 41 plus 4 appointment when they were talking about um, possibly inducing me 
they um, offered me, so because I was a low risk, I was a low risk pregnancy and the baby was fine in my belly, they um, would only do a stretch and sweep if I wanted to at after 41 weeks. Um, So that's probably also what kicked on with my waters breaking was that I had a stretch and sweep at 41 plus one. um, And at that appointment, they had said that I was like one centimetre dilated and my cervix was really, really soft. So they said that, you know, when I went to that appointment, even though they were booking um, or talking, I think consenting me actually for an induction, they were pretty confident, the midwife was pretty confident that I'd probably go into labour before then, which I think I spoke about because I was so upset because I was so upset about the fact of being induced, um, it makes it even sound a bit more hormonal and silly that I was crying so much because she did say to me, oh, I think you might go before Friday or Thursday or whenever the induction is going to be booked. Yeah, you had that playing on your mind. Yeah, I just, I just, it probably would have been fun. I think definitely looking back on the whole experience, if I have another baby, which hopefully I do, I definitely will just let my body go even after 42 weeks. I, I knew in myself I kind of trusted my gut that everything was okay and there was really no need to induce me. And I think that if I had, um, I just need to listen to myself more. Like obviously if there was a medical reason for it, I would have been all over it but I knew in my gut that it was, I didn't need to be induced. Mm-hmm. When you're there though, and when you're in it, it's hard not to get caught up in that. And especially yeah. being so sick and, and all of that too, I'm sure that that would have been on your mind or, you know, as you said, it, it's, it's yeah. a strange place to be waiting for your baby and not knowing when that's going to happen. And I feel like between 40 weeks and 41 weeks, I was completely fine. It was just that 41 plus one where I just started. I think just emotionally I just unraveled. Mm -hmm. But then your uh, waters broke anyway. So, (laughs) yeah. So, so yeah, I, I say I cried my waters out. That's what I, I, just, I always look back on and be like, that's what I did. I cried so much that my water's broke. <laughs> yeah. So we've backtracked a little, backtracked a little, but so now you've had the epidural, you had yeah. that little bit of a scary situation where you were obviously extremely dehydrated and needed some yeah. fluids. And then what was that like after that? So I forget where we were at. So I had had the epidural, had the they put the medication in, um, and I could still feel my legs. I could still feel the contractions, and I could still move myself side to side in the bed. Um, so I just made sure, you know, when I had the epidural, because I knew it might slow things down a little bit. Um, that I was, I just kept moving. They offered me a peanut ball to put between my legs, which 
I, I don't, I think it's supposed to like move the baby down. I, I just did it because that's what they, they said would help. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um, I rested on and off and my partner definitely, he had a sleep um, while I just kind of kept going. I was really, they give you the button to press and they said, if the pain starts getting bad, press the button and top your epidural up. And I kind of just thought to myself, like, I don't need to do that. That's fine. I'll just let it go. And so I kept letting it go. And as soon as kind of it wore off, the back pain would come back in. And the midwife, she left me alone a lot of the time because that's what I'd requested. I just didn't, like being so sick, I wasn't in the mood to like talk to anyone or anything like that. I just wanted to like lie there by myself. And so she could kind of hear me grunting and groaning as I'm turning over, which was the epidural was wearing off. And she's like, you know, just press your button. Like don't let yourself get into too much pain. Like it's easier, obviously pain curve. It's so much easier to keep it at the same level than it is to treat it when it's really up high. Um, So I did that a couple of times. They checked me, I think two more times between like between I got the epidural and when I gave birth, because I only do it, I think every four or so hours um, that, that routinely. And so they had checked me and I think I was about an, I was about an eight, about eight centimetres and then the shift changed. So the new midwife came on in the morning. And so kind of everything just kind of went, went along, nothing I was just resting. My partner was resting. I kept moving just to make sure that, you know, things kept happening. And then from there, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. So at this point, I'd been in labor for 32 hours all up. So I was tired. My partner was tired. I think the baby was starting to get a bit tired because the doctor came in and said, oh, look, we're not super happy the heart rate is consistently going up. Um, so, you know, just see how you go. We're keeping an eye on it. Everything's okay for the moment. Um, but just to let you know, you know, we might need to get get the baby out. Because, oh, I don't know whether I said I didn't know what we were having. We kept it a surprise because we just wanted to leave the gender for when we gave birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they left and at that point they didn't I didn't have any of the artificial um, hormone to kind of get things going they just let my body do it which I thought was really really good so that I pretty much got the whole way um, through labor myself like apart from the artificial the rupture of my membranes they kind of just let my body do it which I thought was really really good Um, so they checked me again and this was probably about I think it was 11 and maybe, yeah, about 11. And they're like, yep, cool. Like you're 10 centimeters. We kind of need you to push the baby out because the heart rate was still at that point, the heart rate was still going up. So I remember when I started pushing her heart rate was sitting about 180. Um, So they're like, just get the, get her out, like push her out. You can do it. And so at that point I started I started to push, which was such a weird experience. If I look back on it and reflect on it, it was so weird. Just like, yep, cool, you're ready to go. Start pushing out a baby. Yeah. Were you still nauseous at that point? 
Yeah, so I'd had another two doses of the anti-nausea medication and also I'd had, I think, another two vomits as well. At that, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, and how did you go with pushing? What was that like? Uh, so it started off really well. So the, the, the doctors had said to me, like, you're good to, like, start pushing. Like, that's fine. Um, and, you know, I think that they said we'll give you about two hours to get her out before we might have to think about, you know, getting her out. But, like, they're like, you can do it. Like, you can push her out. We don't need to help you. And so then when I started pushing again, I think I just in the lead up, cause I went over, I had done so much, I'd been on social media so much, so much. And I was so petrified of pushing on my back that it wasn't going to be effective, that I kind of scared myself that I wasn't going to be able to do it because it had the epidural and I was on my back. But the midwife I had in the morning, she was amazing. She, she let me push on each side or didn't let me, like she said, push on both sides. And then the other option is that we can sit you right up. I think she's called it a throne position. Mm-hmm. We'll sit you right up and, and, you know, gravity will do its thing. But then as soon as they sat me up, that was when I kind of all my back pain came back. I don't know whether I just didn't top up my epidural enough but it was re- like it was really uncomfortable, and at that point, I just, I just lost kind of all. Sounds bad, but motivation to push her out. She was like the midwife said to me, like you can do it, you can do it. Like don't tell yourself you can't do it, you can do this. And I was like, no, I can't do it. Like, I, I'm not going to do it. it. I can't do it. It's impossible. I can't push this baby out. And so. I just was my worst, my own worst enemy at that point. I think if I just had been a bit more positive, it would have ended up differently, but it just, yeah, it was a bit crazy. I just kept saying to her, she goes, you can do it. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so it was, I was just, uh, I think I was just uh, like, this poor midwife just had to deal with me telling her like, no, I can't do this. Like, what do you know? I can't do it. <laughs> And so um, they said, she kept saying to me, she's like, I can see her head, but you just like, you just need to get her over the, that, that hump of the pelvic bone. Mm. And I just, yeah, I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I think. And then the doctors had come in and said, look, like we're really not happy. Like her heart rate had gone up again. So it was sitting in the one nineties. And so they kind they had said to me, like, we're really unhappy. The baby's tired. You're obviously tired. Um, you know, they checked again just to see whether, like, how far down she was. Like, cause at that point, they couldn't see her head. It had kind of gone back up. Um, and they said, look, you know, her head is starting to swell as well. It, it, they said to me it can happen when, um, you know, babies start to get tired when they're in the, the birth canal. And the doctor said, we really recommend that. You, we we get her out with forceps because if we put the we don't think that the vacuum will sit on her head because her head's so swollen. And at that point, I kind of just looked at my partner and I was so relieved that they were just going to pull her out. To be honest, I was just so tired. And I think if they said to me like a couple more pushes, I would have just been like, no, nope, not doing it. I'm going home. <laughs> so it was really it was really good. Like the doctor. I think so highly of her. She came in and she kind of just sat there and explained to me what they were going to do, why that they were going to do it. Um, and, and ultimately I made the call 
at the end of the day when I said, yep, get her out, use the forceps, like, I don't mind. And she said, oh, we're going to do a small incision and put the forceps in. There'll be two doctors at the end of the bed. Are you okay with that? I was like, yep, fine, get her out. I don't care. And um, I really pulled my, you know, tip my hat off because I know a lot of women don't have that experience of being so well. I think like I just was spoken to like a human, which was really nice at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah. And then they kind of all got ready. So it's crazy. It goes from like two people in the room to like five people in the room and they had all introduced myself themselves to me, which was also, I, I find so nice. I knew who everyone was and they said, oh, this is the baby doctor. He's just here just in case because it's an instrumental birth. Um, but you know, everything will be fine. He's just here as, as standard. I was like, cool, no worries. Wouldn't have even known he was there at that point. I was so out of it. Um, so yeah, they did a episiotomy. They fought, they, on the next contraction, they said, let us know when you're having a contraction and we'll pull her, like we'll start pulling her out and like push at the same time, which I find fascinating because I didn't know that that's how they do forceps. Like you still have to push them. They just guide them out. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they just kind of got her head out and then they took the forceps off and unfortunately then they had said, you know, try not to push and just let her come out herself. But I think it was a combination of she pushed herself out and I pushed at the same time. So, unfortunately, I also taught I had a second-degree tear from her shoulders which was like a bit, I was a bit annoyed about, but it is what it is, isn't it? I, at that point, I just wanted the baby out and put on my chest. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they lifted her up and it was, so, it was so funny looking back on the photos. I just have nothing on my face. I think I was so tired, so depleted. They were like, it's a girl. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> great. <laughs> well, what, what do we do now? Oh. So, yeah, oh. they, um, popped her straight up onto my chest. They did um, some delayed cord clamping as best they could because then, unfortunately, I did have a small amount of hemorrhaging. Um, it was just over, I think, 500 mils, they said, so it was only like a small hemorrhage. Um, so then, yeah, my partner got to cut the cord and she sat on my chest. I think we were there for three hours, which is what I wanted and I didn't think that I was going to get it, but, yeah, yeah beautiful and oh so nice and how were you feeling still nauseous what was that like were you feeling better now she was out so yeah the minute that I pushed her out I felt back to normal it it was insane like maybe not the minute but I kind of lump it all in I just felt I felt myself again I felt didn't feel sick I yeah it was it was crazy. I just remember thinking like I had her on my chest and we were just like, wow, we've got a daughter. Cause we, we thought the whole time we we're going to have a boy. Like we were set that we were having a boy. Um, and they're like, yeah, it's a girl. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, what do we do now? <laughs> and, um, I just remember thinking like, all I wanted was like a cup of tea and something to eat. And yeah, I just felt like a million dollars. And the HG was gone. The high premises. Yes. Yeah, just like that, which I, I find it just mind-boggling that I was so sick for so long and yet the minute that you have the baby, you're, you're practically back to normal. Mm. Wow, so amazing. And 
So what was your postpartum like? Were you in the hospital very long? Um, so I stayed one night. I, re- I really wanted to go home that day, um, but I, my mum had said, my mum had come in and, and bought me um, some dinner and said, you know, I think that you should stay just one night. You know, you're a first-time mum. I know you want to go home, but I think one night will do you good and you can come home in the morning. And I said, yeah, we'll do that. So I stayed the first night, which I'm glad that I did now because because we were both so tired from the birth, like me and um, the baby, she didn't latch straight away. She was just so sleepy. Um, we had to really like, we had to strip her naked, blow on her face, kind of stroke her, stroke her cheeks to get her to latch. And luckily I did have some colostrum. So we gave her some of that. But um I remember the next, the overnight midwife, I said to her, I'm like, I really need some help, like you to help me show how to latch her because she's not latching. And she goes, oh, just give her colostrum. She'll be fine. And then the morning midwife came on and she was amazing. Like I, she just showed me exactly what to do, which I'm so grateful for because I don't think our our breastfeeding experience would have been as positive as it has been if it wasn't for her showing me exactly what to do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, and yeah, we went home. Wife. <laughs> yeah. Like, unfortunately I've forgotten what her name is, but I'll never forget her because she literally just, just made that whole breastfeeding that first day of breastfeeding, just, it just click. It just clicked in my head and, Ality's head and everything like that, that this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And so then, yeah, we, we went home and we started our adventures of a family of three, which is crazy. Oh, wow. So nice. And, and obviously the breastfeeding, um, as we spoke earlier, is all going well and you didn't have any yep. issues there? No. So we're five months in now and I have no plans of stopping, obviously, like I haven't had, I've been so lucky. I haven't had any like mastitis or latching issues. She feeds like a champ and yeah, like obviously now feeding a five month old has its new challenges when they're so inquisitive with the world and less focused on the boob, but that's Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. Oh, Hannah. Well, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your beautiful story. I've loved listening. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Bloom Birth Stories. If you enjoyed, please subscribe and share with a friend. And if you'd like to share your story, reach out. You can find me over on Instagram at Kate Bloom Doula. See you next week, beautiful.